a lot of my clients and, you know, celebrity clients as well, they were really encouraging me, just knowing me for over the years. They're, they would say, Tanya, you need to write a book. Welcome to You Should Write a Book About That. My name is Kim O'Hara. I'm an intuitive book coach at A Story Inside, and I'm interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life who have a story to tell. Do they have a book in them? Stick around and find out. Tanya Crooks is the original brow gal, as she calls herself, serving celebrities such as Julie Roberts, Fergie, and Megan Fox. She also is the creator of Arches and Halos, a line of eyebrow products available in Target and Walgreens. I know Tanya pretty intimately, spending lots of time with her writing her book, and I can tell you she's a fighter and a warrior, and the road to where she is today with her business has not been easy street. How are you today, my lovely Tanya? I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. So tell us the story about seeing that original niche for eyebrows years back. I I recall you were doing makeup on models and you saw a need for eyebrow work. Yes, that's exactly what it was. I was working as a, a makeup artist. I had just moved from San Francisco to Los Angeles, and I wanted to sort of up my portfolio and make my work look the best it could be so I can compete with the big fish here in town. And so I just started using all of the principles that I had learned in art school um, and applied them to the face. So I just, my my end game was to have my work look the best it could look. And in that process, I was making the model happy and the photographer happy. And, you know, it was a win-win all the way around. And I'm all about the win-win. So when I started doing the models and, you know, they're looking better and they're happy, it was sort of word of mouth. And this is early 2000s before a text message. So I ended up um, just having a lot of knocks on my studio apartment door. And I would, I would literally do browse in my kitchen studio apartment floor. And um, it wasn't until 10 years later that I came out with um, the Brow Gal, my original and still first product line, um, at the request of many clients and celebrities. I mean, Megan Fox sort of cornered me one day and she said, you know, Tanya, I love the way that you do my eyebrows and I love the way they look when you do them and I need them to look the way you look. They look when you do them when you're not with me, but I'm not a makeup artist. What can I do? Can you make me something that I can use to have this happen? And that was a tall order coming from, you know, such a a large celebrity. So I said, you know, just give me some time. I'm going to figure something out because for 10 years, I'd been just directing all my clients to other products, other brands that I thought would be good for them. Right. And then they would still, they would still come back and try to buy something from me that I didn't have. But you got that nice nod. You got that nice nod (laughs) from Megan. And it's, and it's also case in point, the overnight success, you know, is not real. You know, 10 years of working on eyebrows, learning your craft, you know, building your client repertoire, starting, you know, with Mm -hmm. models knocking on your door, you know, and and Uh so you originally studied at the Royal Academy of Art in London, right? Yes. Yes. I had no intention to be a makeup artist, let alone an eyebrow specialist. This was not 
this was not the direction that I was going to take my life, but it was me allowing life to sort of carry me that brought me where I am. And I'm so grateful for it. I mean, sometimes we think we have life all planned out, but sometimes the universe steps in. Absolutely. And we have to listen and say, what am I, what have I been called to actually do that keeps coming up? that keeps being requested, right. the doors keep opening, you know, and some people are so right. laser focused on what they think they want. And imagine if you right. hadn't have gone for it, you know, you wouldn't have had these opportunities you have today. It yeah, wasn't absolutely. easy for you, though. I know this for a fact. No. You were a single no. mom while you're building this business. Yes. So tell me about a couple yes. of those single mom struggles and where you got that fortitude. Well, you know, when I decided to have my my son and I knew I was going to be there was a good possibility that I was going to end up as a single mom. I just knew that it was my number one priority was to prioritize my son before anything else. And so I built him into my career. So for example, when when celebrities would call me and I remember Fergie, one of the first times she wanted me to do a house call was on Mother's Day. And I said, okay, I have to bring my son with me. But he's very well behaved. He was two and a half at the time, I believe. Oh. And I said, you know, if you're okay with that, then I'm okay with that. If you're not okay with that, I completely 100% understand. And so I did this with all of my celebrities because I didn't have any family in LA. I didn't have a support system, but more than anything else, I didn't trust anybody to, with, with my son at that time, at being such a tender age. And I knew in order for me to be the best mom that I could do, I needed to do what felt right for me. And that would not have been leaving him with a stranger and going and running to a celebrity's house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I I think as entrepreneurs, I mean, I'm seeing this more and more, especially where we are right now with COVID-19 is that women like myself, uh, you know, that have kids, you know, and you, you have a son, we're seeing, Mm -hmm. you know, they're just going to have to be somewhat integrated, you know, and we were told like things have to be separate by, you know, our, everything has to be rigid. And it's like, no, it actually needs to be more fluid for success. It, it, it does. And I really, I mean, this was, this was, um, let's see, this was probably about 13 years ago. So this was really a stretch back then. My son's 16 now, but it was really, I put my, myself out there, you know, because people weren't doing that, but it was, it was, it was a promise I made to myself and a priority that I made to myself that for the, especially the first five years until my son started kindergarten, he would be number one, but he was also a trooper because he knew mom had to work and he knew he had to, you know, behave. And I never explained to him what a celebrity was or that this person was any different than any one of my other clients. So he never had, he never had any, any sort of pressure on him either. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. So you've had a tumultuous past. Your mom was abusive and you come from poverty. And at one point, did you come to terms with that upbringing? And do you think it had a positive effect on how you did business, but also a negative effect? I know that's a big question. Absolutely. Absolutely. It had a positive effect. Now, when you're going through it, you don't really see the positives. Right. But 
are you, I mean, you know, my parents, we, we had to, we had to earn, I mean, they were very, very hardworking and my parents taught me the work ethic that I have. And that was just by the means of them trying to survive the best they can with three kids. You know what I'm saying? So I was the babysitter when I was 12 and I was saving the money. And if I wanted anything, I had to figure out a way to pay for it myself, unless it was a birthday present or Christmas. Cause that was, that was all they could do. And it wasn't because they didn't want to, it's just because they couldn't. Building your products for Brow Gal and Arches and Halos, you had to deal with some, and you talk about this in the book, some unsavory business partners. And, you know, everything is interconnected. You know, the way we were brought up and what we've experienced, our Mm -hmm. self-esteem issues. And there were some Mm -hmm. red flags that in retrospect, you ignored. What would you urge people going into business, really check for themselves? Growing up in a house where there was a lot of physical and emotional abuse, um, you learn, I learned to become very flexible for peace. That was my mission. And so I carried that trait with me in my life and into my business life, meaning I'll just be flexible for my own peace and I'll trust the people around me because I trust myself. But what I really realized was that I was grossly shortchanging myself, that my lack of self-worth and self-love was reflected back to me through the choices I was making as I was building my business. Mm-hmm. Um, the good thing about that is that, you know, seven years deep into my company, I, I don't resemble that person before. So, and I, and I wouldn't have become who I became if I didn't go through all those hard, hard lessons. Right. Right. And you had to breathe through some of those days where there was, you know, looking at what was around you, you know, how am I ever going to get out of this and how am I going to have this sense of sanity? And you write about it in the book and I want to address the book here. So, you know, this is a podcast about, you know, writing books and, and, or wanting to write books and, you and yes. I have worked very hard on your book. And then there was a period where you said, you just, it was, I, you know what, I'm going to let you say what happened. When I was writing the book, I was feeling, running two companies, doing Celebrity House Call, and I was feeling an incredible amount of pressure. And I was going through a really low moment with my business partners and not seeing eye to eye on a a lot of different things. So I felt like my book wasn't finished yet. I felt like I hadn't arrived to where I am now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I felt like there was still more for me to learn and more for me to experience. So I needed to just pause and sort of recollect myself because believe it or not, writing the book was way more cathartic than I thought it was going to be. I came up against a lot of stuff when I was, you know, writing that I did not expect to have to come up against. But at the same time, it was very healing. I thought, okay, you know, I can do this. I'm writing a book. I'm running the businesses. I know how, you know, I know what I'm doing and I can do this. I can do it all super mom. I can, you know, but what I didn't account for was that when you really dig in it, it kind of prized the old lid off the old paint can you know what I'm saying and then 
you're forced to look at what's inside that's been sitting there for years and years and years and years and years. And that was the part that I wasn't quite prepared for. So I had to kind of pace myself along with that too. But through all of that and going through that whole process was an incredible healing moment. So I'm not the same person I was before I started writing the book. I agree. And I remember that you would text me or I'd get a voice, you know, or, or a call and you'd say, we are missing a whole section that I have yeah. to write about. Like, how did I forget right. this? Like, how, how am I not writing about this? And it's almost like, right. you know, and I would say to you, well, then you need to write about it. It might not end up in the book. It might not end up being relevant. But if you don't do it right. and we bypass it, then it's going right. to be one of those things you're going to always wonder, should I have written about that? Right. And I think that's right. part of the catharsis because now going back into the book, which we are, you see it, you see that the, the, the mission and the vision piece that you can bring out right. to other people through your experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And I think authenticity is key. And I have to say, um, I read, I love reading memoirs, but I read Travis Barker's memoir called, Can I Say? And he's the, the drummer of Blink-182 that's, you know, hugely successful. But, you know, his story, um, he was in a, he survived a plane crash and a terrible near-death experience, along with everything else. But what I really appreciated about his book was the way he was so deliberately honest mm. without judgment. He, it was, it was, I finished the book I mean, I wasn't a huge fan or anything. I mean, I liked the band and all of that. But after I read the book, I found such a newfound respect for this person because of the way they told their story. They were, he was not afraid to be honest. He was not afraid to be vulnerable. He was not afraid. And that really is the kind of message that I want to convey as well, because yeah. that's who I am as a person. And I, and I, and I don't feel that some of that rawness is in a lot of memoirs. And I, I can understand why, because when I was writing mine, I would say to you, should I put this? Should I talk about this? Should I not? You know what I'm saying? But I think in, in order to, for the, per, the book to serve its purpose, really, the more honest I can be, the more it's going to help the reader. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. And you work with the eyes, right? And the eyes are the mirrors to the soul. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a calling for you to be really transparent because you're looking into people's eyes all the time. You know, we've talked mm -hmm. about what you see in people when they come into your shop mm -hmm. and the conversations mm -hmm. that you have and all that you have absorbed as just Tanya now and Tanya then, and then there's Tanya as a child. And there's so much Tanya to be talked about. You know, so. well, you know, it's weird because a lot of my clients and you know, celebrity clients as well, they were really encouraging me, just knowing me for over the years. They're they would say, Tanya, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. And, you know, when I really thought about it, I thought, well, you know, I'm not like this super successful person. I I I I I'm just a normal person that kind of has been trying to make her way, but I think in comparison and contrast, and we, we all have a story, but I think mine, especially when I sat down to write it, it's not your average story. And 
I have life has, has dealt me some really tricky cards, but I've really managed to, to embrace those cards and really realize that my life didn't happen to me. It happened for me. Absolutely. Yes. And it's been wonderful chatting with you today and your book will come out and people will be able to read about all these nuggets that you've shared today with (laughs) us. So thank you so much for your time and your incredibly busy schedule with your dings and your bells and your calendars and your appointments. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You're amazing. for having me. It's been great. You've been listening to You Should Write a Book About That. If you enjoyed our episode, tell a friend to listen, subscribe, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And a big shout out to our listeners on CastBox, where you can leave a comment and I will personally respond.